Welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. Today, we're again at DragonCon. We have a very, very special guest, Mr. Robert J. Sawyer. Welcome, Robert. Hey, John. How are you? I'm awesome. So uh, thank you very much for taking a few minutes to, to talk with me on this. Oh, my pleasure, my friend. So you've been a judge now for Writers of the Future for how many years? I think I officially became a judge in 2005. I was down first time in 2004 as an observer. So I, what does that make it? 14 years now. Yeah, because yeah. we originally met at um, Worldcon in Toronto. In Tor Toronto, Con when I won the Hugo when Award the that Hugo year. Award That's right, yeah, yes. yeah. And I've been just so thrilled to be associated with the contest as a judge. And as you pointed out to me in email uh, this past week, uh, as an entrant going way back to 84 and 85, 1984, 1985, the beginning of my career, I entered the contest. Never won the contest, uh, but uh, I had a semifinalist or something in audible mentions. Um, very proud of this contest. And then, um, now... You'd received a letter from Algis? Was that something he, he gave he, you? He, or something it like wasn't that? a letter, but I had uh, put a title page on my story. And so there's a lot of blank space. So he, mm -hmm. he, he wrote all over the title page. And I, uh, I cherished that. Algis Budras was the coordinating judge mm -hmm. back then. And uh, he had seen some merit in something I submitted uh, and uh, wrote at some length commentary that was really encouraging. You know, early in your career, uh, of course, everybody wants an acceptance or an award win or something, but really, you just want somebody to take what you did seriously and give you some advice. And I absolutely got that from Algis. And I understand that time permitting Dave Wolverton, who was the current coordinating mm -hmm. judge following in those very big footsteps of Algis Budras, uh, provides the same service. He does. He does. So, um, now, your career as a writer, I mean, it's just, it's just fascinating. Just, you know, how, how, how did you become the dean of science fiction in Canada? Well, that's the in Canada is the important part. <laughs> Big fish, small pond is what it says <laughs> on my business card. Yeah. The reality was there were no science fiction writers in Canada making a living when I set out to do it. And a number of people had taken that as proof that it couldn't be done. Mm. But I hadn't seen anybody even trying to do it. And more than that, people said to me, well, okay, if you're going to do it, pretend to be an American. Don't set anything in Canada. Set it in Chicago or New York or wherever, but not Canada. And I thought, I, I don't believe that's true either. Right. And so what I did is I started out writing work set in Canada, sending it to the New York publishers because none of the Canadian ones were interested in science fiction, and finding no pushback whatsoever in the States, and Canadian readers thrilled to see stories that directly reflected where they lived. You I know, love that the it was WWW series. Thank you. Right, yeah. my WWW trilogy set in Kitchener and Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Nobody, it's, it's all over the world in a, yeah. in a dozen or more languages. Nobody anywhere in the world has had trouble with it, but there's this Canadian inferiority <laughs> complex. Mm -hmm. And I like to think actually that Writers of the Future has done a little bit to break that down in the science fiction field because the third ever grand prize winner was one of my, he wasn't at the time, I didn't know him, but I, he has become one of my very best friends in the world, James Allen Gardner. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, subsequently we've haven't had Steve Kotowicz mm -hmm. as a grand prize winner uh, and a number of other people like Tony, Tony Pye, Pye was, yeah. for instance. 
who have been uh, a finalist. And so, you know, we always take pleasure in Writers of the Future. It is an international contest. I don't know the, the, the number of nations, but I know Joni keeps track of it. Maybe you know it. Well, we've had entrants from over 175. 175 countries around the globe. And I know that Canada, we punch a little bit above our weight in this contest. Now, yeah. I'm... The Canadian judge, we have an Australian judge, we have, you know, uh, in art, we have a Russian judge, we have judges from all over the world, but uh, we don't know when we read the manuscript, unless the manuscript happens to maybe tip its hand by blatantly being set in, you know, Victoria, British Columbia, or Victoria, Australia, right, right. wherever it's set, yeah. uh, or, you know, uh, gives it away. Uh, we don't know. We have no way of knowing the nationality, the ethnicity, uh, the gender or gender orientation, the age, anything. It's right. a meritocracy. Yeah. And what I love to see is out of that meritocracy, I do take a little national pride, <laughs> that on a per capita basis, I think our Canadians do a little better than Americans. But For sure. Yeah. For sure. And you had a great one this year with his, uh, um, uh, his Thulu. Yes, story. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have uh, uh, Natalka from... Um, Roshak, yeah. From no, Natalka Roshak from Ottawa, which is where I was born. Uh, we just got to, yeah, it's just so gratifying to see. But it's gratifying to see people from all over the world. We've mm -hmm. had so many people come from, uh, you know, former Iron Curtain countries who've come to us from Southeast Asia. Uh, their first exposure to North America is when they've come to Los Angeles for the uh, Writers of the Future workshop, and then, the, of course, the awards ceremony, which is the capstone of that week. Uh, it is so gratifying to see the contest. Uh, you know, everybody in, in SF these days, in the big five publishing companies, talking about diversity. Mm -hmm. Diversity is the big word. And we, Writers of the Future, have been finding writing talent all over the planet for 35 years now. And it's only the, we're really, we're in the vanguard of this. Yeah, Way yeah. before the big publishers started saying, really only in the last five years, the big five public, oh, our lists are not very diverse. We don't have many voices that are people of color or indigenous people or what have you. We have had such a panoply of people from all over the world, all types of people, young, old. Uh, it, it really, I think, always has gone to show that in the end, in any kind of blind judging situation, which is mm -hmm. what we have, take away any opportunity for prejudice. Yep. The best work will out, and the best work is by everybody. All kinds of people from all over the planet are writing great stuff, and we're lucky enough to discover these people at the beginning of their careers. Exactly, and when, another good point of that too is that a lot of these writers, they're usually like five to ten years ahead of a curve because they're the ones that bring, they've got their own voice, their own... That's right, that's right. And you'll see a national literature almost emerge in the wake of some begin... Either it's a, the first writer uh, to emerge doing science fiction, which, you know, you can, you can read the histories of the genre that'll say it's kind of a Western, post-British Industrial Revolution uh, um, response, uh -huh. right? And, you know, so we're, we're kind of surprised sometimes to hear of... African science fiction or Indian science, but it exists. Yeah. And we see some of the very first practitioners of that. Uh, and then um, uh, a few years down the road, there will be those who have been inspired to see it's possible to write science fiction 
in my country, whichever one of that 170 it happens to be, right. and have it taken seriously on the world stage, which maybe without the spotlight. And we give, you guys at, at Author Services give uh, and Galaxy Press, give such a... Um, bright spotlight you know you go out of your way to yeah. really make sure that the winners uh get celebrated in their hometowns no matter how far flung those hometowns are uh i really do think that that plants the seeds in a lot of people's minds in those towns that, oh this is something that exists there is such a thing now as fill in the blank science fiction mm -hmm. and i can or fantasy and we're, yeah. we're equally open to fantasy and i can be part of that movement absolutely and that's it's, it's really important, too, when um, people of your repute are there, you know, lending your name, lending your talents, and too, because when you come in and you actually teach at the workshop, you give your, you know, we don't say, like, this is how you write science fiction right. fantasy. It's like, you know. It's a smorgasbord. Yeah. It, it's a buffet because you get people like, you know, one of my best friends is Kevin J. Anderson. We don't agree on a single thing about how to construct a writing career. And that's wonderful mm -hmm. because the people who are there uh, listening during the week-long workshop hear what Kevin have to say and uh, Rebecca, his, uh, his writing partner and spouse, and what I have to say and all kinds of other people, uh, you know, from Larry Niven, Mike Resnick, Todd McCaffrey, Nettie Orr-Kafor, uh, uh, Sean Williams from Down Under in Australia, all these perspectives. And we don't want, I, I, I literally do not want somebody to follow m my advice if it doesn't resonate for them. Exactly. If, it's, uh, if they go, oh yeah, that's what I needed to hear, great. Mm -hmm. But if they go, no, no, I don't like what Rob's saying. Kevin, that's what I want to do. I want to do what uh, Todd, um, Todd McCaffrey's doing. We give you... A, a variety of perspectives and because that's every career is unique every single writer is absolutely irreplaceable in the sense that nobody else could be that writer right you have your life experience your stories your background the things that happened to you growing up the things you happen to know what you studied at college or, or didn't study at college or have learned in the school of life or whatever mm -hmm. and we give um uh, we just try to share, this is what worked for me. This is what worked for Eric Flint. This is what worked for Nancy Kress. And we go along and, uh, you know, each of us share our perspective. And it either resonates or it doesn't. And you'll pick what works for you. Which is, I think, a very, very... It's a point that makes the Writers of the Future different than a lot of other workshops. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can sign up to take any number of publishing uh, slash writing workshops that are given by a quote-unquote guru in uh, either an aspect of publishing or an aspect of writing. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, for instance, in script writing, Robert McKee uh, is a very famous one, and I've taken his course twice, and I know exactly how Robert McKee would structure a screenplay, and in particular, each scene in a screenplay is the author of Story, one of the famous books on writing. I don't do it the way he does it. I know his way, mm -hmm. and I've adapted his method to parts that worked for me and parts that didn't work for me. And it's going to be the same for everybody else, but usually you get one perspective, one approach. This is how you become a commercially successful best-selling writer, or this is how you become the darling of the literati, or this is how you become uh, you know, an award-winning whatever. You know? right. And we give you a whole raft of different points of view. And we have come out of it. You look at the writers who are 25, 35 years 
after they've won who've come out of this. There's the whole range from Eric Flint, who was one of our early winners, mm-hmm. is now a judge, is as commercial a writer as you can imagine. He will he does uh, books by himself and in conjunction in a factory kind of, and I don't mean that in any pejorative way, uh, he was very active in the labor movement. Uh, he knows how to structure a team to produce a reliable product on a regular yeah. basis. You have me who hates doing series. I like to do completely unique standalone books. You have Kevin who has learned to adapt uh, the biggest franchises that exist, the Dune franchise from literature, the Star Wars franchise from film. Uh, we give you all those different approaches, and any one of them could be a valid career. We have people who have come through the ranks who have ended up being... Uh, come through the ranks of the contest or won the contest and have gone on to have any number of those careers from being very successful commercial fiction writers to very well-regarded literary and artistic successes and everywhere in between. That's a, um, I think that's something that in science fiction itself, the whole subject of paying it forward. Yes. You know, just the whole concept of I know when Mr. Hubbard created the contest, he had already had experience from before right. with a lot of other other writers that would lend a helping hand. And it's just it's something that is a, um, I think it's a, it's a hallmark of possibly science fiction. Maybe there's I think it's very sci- much in science fiction, and I sometimes am surprised that it's not the pervasive ethos in other kinds of writing. They just didn't have those central figures. You mentioned yeah. Hubbard, who certainly was known for for paying forward, and Heinlein, who was a mm-hmm. contemporary of Hubbard's, who took that mantra as well and said, you know, because a young writer would say to those gentlemen, or, or me, and I will never have written as many words as Hubbard or sold, you know, as many books as Heinlein, it'll never be that for me, but they'll say, you know, what can I, how can I pay you back? And even at my level, which is, you know, a de- a quite a decent career in the field, the answer is, Nothing. You can't. There's nothing you can do for me. But there's that guy behind you. That's right. And he needs a helping hand. I'll give you one, and I'll never even check up to make sure that you've given it. I'm just trusting you. This is a human interaction. I'm looking you in the eye and saying, okay, I'll read your manuscript, or I'll give you an introduction to an agent, or I'll give you a tip or a piece of advice. Nothing you can ever do to make it up to me, the time you've taken out of my life. But I'm trusting you. Next in line. Somebody's going to ask you. And your first response might be, oh, no, I want to watch a TV show. I want to, I want to go to a movie. I want to spend time. No, you've you got to at some point say, yeah, I'm going to make time in my schedule to pay forward, forward. by helping you. That's great. So with um, the subject now in general, why should somebody enter the Rise of Feature Contest? Well, it's unique. So if you're not entering it, you're an idiot. Because we have no entry fee. There are lots of contests where they're asking for, and sometimes the fees are quite modest. It might be $5, they might be $50. Um, but we have no entry fee. We're entirely egalitarian. We welcome entrants, as, as has been said, from all over the world. And by the way, it's an electronic submission system now, mm-hmm. so it's easy. It's not, you know, uh, it's not hard to get your stuff submitted. Um, so number one, we are free to enter, and it's hard to find a contest like that. Number two, we have real substantial cash prizes, up to $5,000 right. for the grand prize winner. Number three, there's no contest, I don't think in any genre, that has a grand prize that includes 
a week-long professionally run writer's workshop. And now I speak at it, every one of the judges speaks at it, who can make it in a given year, but I don't want to take credit where credit isn't due. Uh, it's uh, uh, Tim Powers and Dave Farland who really spearhead that workshop, building on a template that was established by Algis Budras, who, mm-hmm. who uh, did the first workshops. Algis, of course, passed away. Uh, so we have this anybody can enter. It doesn't cost anything to enter. There's a lot of money to be had if you win. And most important of all is that workshop. For $5,000, I mean, it's nice yeah. money. There's no question yeah, it's yeah. not nice money. Um, but in some sense, well, we do have winners who have come from countries of considerable uh, uh, economic poverty, where $5,000 is a huge life, life-changing sum. Yeah. For most people in North America, it's a nice windfall. Right? Well, Nancy Farmer, when she won the grand prize in South Africa, yes. she was stuck there, couldn't get out. It was that prize money that got her and her family out of South Africa exactly. and back into America. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, so, but we, uh, we have uh, this that really nobody else has, the ability for anybody to enter to be judged fairly, mm-hmm. by impartially by judges who have no idea except for the title of your story. So give it a good title. We like good <laughs> titles, but we won't know your name yeah. or where you're from or anything. Um, and uh, we also... there. Almost no contests that run as frequently as we run. We run quarterly. Mm -hmm. Every 90 days, you have an opportunity to submit a manuscript. And we have many, many eventual winners who have taken advantage of that quarterly seasonal rhythm, Mm -hmm. built it into their writing lives, that they will enter every 90 days. They've got a new manuscript. It gives them a deadline. It gives them a, a reason to get a story finished. And at the end of every year, even if they haven't placed, they're four stories farther ahead in their career than they were when they started. And uh, so I encourage people to enter for all those reasons. I'll just recap them. It's free. You can enter from anywhere in the world. Uh, the prize is real money. The prize is a great writer's workshop. And we have this quarterly ability. It's not like, well, okay, I've got to come up with a story in a year's time. No, this can become your metronome that is providing the pace at which you are producing work. Say two other things. One is we take stories up to 17,000 words, mm-hmm. a lot longer. That's technically a, a novelette at the high end of Novelette, a lot longer than most contests take. Mm-hmm. And number two, of course, and with all due humility, all of us on the judging panel are major writers. We're either major bestsellers uh, or we're major award winners or in the cases of, say, an Orson Scott card, we're both. Right. Right? We have that uh, uh, you won't find a better blue ribbon panel of judges in the science fiction and fantasy field on any contest or award, including uh, when we had them juries for the Nebula Awards, for instance. You won't find a a better panel of of judges than what's been put together here. And you just look at the who's who. I mean, there's no reason except for a firm belief in the value of a contest like this that people like Robert Silverberg and Gregory Benford, and Larry Niven, and Nancy Kress, and so forth, would lend their names to it. There's just, there's, you know, it's not, you're not paying us. Right. Right? You know, um, we're, we're, and, uh, and you get people who are at, at that level, the Orson Scott Cards of the world, where even if you wanted to try to buy them, they're not for sale. You don't have enough money. Yeah. Uh, they're doing it because this contest makes sense in every way you look at it. Uh, as an experience for a new writer, it makes sense. 
Well, that's amazing. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So for someone who, maybe there's somebody in the planet that doesn't know Robert Sawyer, but if someone <laughs> wants to find out, how do, how do they find you? Rounded to the nearest billion. All eight billion <laughs> of us do not know who I am. Okay. But I'm Robert J. Sawyer, and uh, my, my website is SF writer.com, SF like in science fiction, and I'm a, a hard science fiction writer, mostly near future, present day, best known for the TV series Flash Forward that was based on my novel of the same name. Great. Well, thank you very much, Rob. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elrond Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy from all over the world. Thank you very much from DragonCon. <laughs>